Do they? I don't like them. Yeah, so it has been a really long time since I've been up here without Lyndon beside me. He said this morning, don't worry, it's just like when we did COVID. Just pretend we're on the sofa in the lounge. It doesn't feel quite like that because we, all we had was like that in front of us, not, in, not that you're not all beautiful and lovely, but months back when we were planning this series, the Titahi Ki Titahi, the One Another series, I actually said to Lyndon, we were going, there's so many one another's in scripture, that like so many, but we had a list and um, that we're chosen and I said to Lyndon, I'm doing this one. Words I have regretted, because that was months ago and then I thought, oh, that's ages away, but it came around really, really fast. So today I'm going to be sharing on what it is to be kind to one another, to cultivate a life of kindness and not just kindness, as the world says, but a kingdom kindness. So yeah, let me pray before I start. So God, I just thank you for each person in this room. God, you know their story from beginning till now. And God, I just ask today that you would be with us as I share that the things I say that are for whoever's in this room, God, that they wouldn't just fall away, but that they would go deep within, and that it would represent lives changed, lives more like you, not just for today, but for the days and weeks and months and years ahead. Amen. So I felt like someone actually said to me ages ago, when I said I was speaking on this, they're like, oh, really? Um, What are you going to do about the whole be kind thing? So I thought before I even start, I'll unpack the elephant in the room which is, hopefully you get this, but when I say be kind, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Good, you got it. it clearly, clearly the message got through, didn't it? Um, yeah, it was, it was our then Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, and COVID. And if you're anything like me, as sincere as that comment may have been, um, the reminder to be kind turned me into an eye-rolling kind of cynical person. It didn't happen immediately. Like, that wasn't my first reaction. I'm like, that's really, yeah, of course we should be kind. But as the weeks or days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, months turned into years, it was like, oh, come on, give me a break. I'm over this. It was almost like nails on a chalkboard. I remember being in our lounge and just talking back at the TV. Um, Not nice things. Yeah, so I feel like for many of us, the term being be kind has been filed under the category of like cliche political rhetoric. That's where it falls. That's what we think of when we hear be kind. And you may be way more mature than me and not have any of those feelings at all and you might have taken it and, and run with it. And if so, you can pray for me later. But I think all that to say wherever we land on the be kind that the last few years, the words, because of what we've gone through, those words have lost their punch, so to speak. But I want to remind us today that be kind is not a Jacinda Ardern commandment. It's a Jesus commandment. And he said it well before she did. Um, We do it because Jesus tells us to do it, not because our then Prime Minister tells us to do it. I think we would be so foolish to discard all of Scripture 
that talks about kindness to throw it all away because of a really painful season, which it was. There's no, there's no doubt. We can't afford to not be a kind people. And I know kindness can mean different things to different people, but what should or what could kindness mean for us as followers of Jesus as we learn to follow him? And that's what I want to unpack today. But I have to start with a disclaimer. Um, I was away when Sherilyn spoke. She's not, she's over at Tribe, but she spoke a few weeks ago. And it was really, really good. I listened online. And as I was preparing this week, I was completely feeling the same feeling she was. Like, why the heck am I speaking on kindness? Because I feel like for the last few weeks, and then knowing some things I've got coming, I should not be speaking on this. I don't feel very kind. On Monday morning, I was on the phone to Ethan. So our youngest, Ethan, has moved to Christchurch. He phones me multiple times a day, actually. But this was the Monday morning check-in, and he was just like, what are you doing, and what have you got on this week, and da-da-da, and we're just chatting. And, um, and then I, I was telling him, and then I said that I'm speaking this Sunday. And he said, oh, okay what are you speaking on? And I said, I'm speaking on being kind to one another. And then honestly, without missing a beat, he said, really? Do you think you're the best person to speak on that? (laughs) And I was like, perfect. So I'm totally standing here today, not as someone who has kindness nailed, but one that like, I'm clearly on the journey to. And so when I started preparing, I've got a... um, laptop at home and I've got a desktop computer and I thought I had saved my message on my laptop and I was trying to find it and I was in the search thing and I put in kindness because that's what I called it and it pops up with um, risky kindness 2018 and I was like what's that and I opened it and it was a sermon I had done in August of 2018 called risky kindness I was like oh I should just pull this out and just do it again I can't remember so you won't remember Um, but I didn't do that But I feel like for me, this whole thing hit a whole new level at the start of 2020. And I have shared part of this before, so I'm not going to go into great detail. But the beginning of 2020, for me, the wheels completely fell off the bus and like fell off, rolled away down the hill, never to be seen again. Um, I went from someone who could juggle and hold a lot to someone who would like every, sometimes it was every minute, Um, but definitely hourly. Oh, it makes me emotional. I won't look at you. Um, I I just was filled with panic attacks, and I couldn't stop crying. I had terrible anxiety, and I couldn't explain it. I know what it was now. It was this lovely thing called menopause. Um, But it hit me and changed me forever. It began a really deep work in me and a work that I am so grateful for today. I felt like my pride and my strength and my capacity was all stripped out from under me. And all I could do at those lowest points was lean on the kindness of God to me. And I leaned on his mercies that are new every morning. I leaned on his promises that he won't leave me or forsake me. I leaned on his promise that he would strengthen me and give me rest that he'd protect me, and that he would work all things together for good. And slowly as I surfaced, as we do, which is always good to remember, we don't stay in those seasons, 
slowly as I surfaced out of it, what shifted in me and what has changed is my confidence. And I was going through this with Lyndon in his office the other day. He said, would you say confidence or arrogance? And I was like, oh gosh, I've got such um, really honest people in my life. Um, and I, I think he's right. I almost held an arrogance. It wasn't just confidence. And my own ability, a real pride in what I could do and what I could hold. And I could be all things to all people. And it was gone. And it is gone. But what I gained instead was a really deep empathy, a compassion, and a heart of kindness to not only myself, because that's kind of where I had to begin, but to those around me. And so I am so thankful standing here today for Jesus that I went through all of that with him and that he was with me on the journey. So today we're going to unpack this beautiful gift of the Spirit that is kindness. It's the fifth fruit of the Spirit. If you go to Galatians 5, uh, you'll know this verse. I'm sure it will be very familiar. But Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, the fruits of the Spirit are a set of virtues, and kindness it's not its own virtue, it, it sits within them all. They are all um, manifestations of God's love. And it's so completely linked to love that the early Bible translators coined the word loving kindness, which was based on that word, I don't know quite how to say it because I'm not good at it, but said, I think that's how you say it, which means tenderness and consideration towards others, which I loved when I was preparing this because I'm like, that is what one anothering is, it's tenderness and consideration towards others. And at a base level, I think we all know what kindness is when we see it. And I certainly know, speaking from experience, that when we're on the receiving end of kindness, we feel it, and the impact that has on our lives is profound. It can be the quality of like being friendly, of being generous, of being considerate, of caring about other people, and often it involves like doing a physical act to to make that known. So giving someone um, money to someone in need is a really kind thing to do. Complimenting someone on their appearance is also kind. Recognizing the good in someone's character or making a meal for a new mum or someone who's sick, they're all kind things to do. And listening some, to somebody's story, just simply the art of listening is kind. But what do all of those examples have in common? Can anyone? I won't make you guess. Um, they're all focused on others. They are selfless acts, and they benefit the one with whom they're aimed at. With all the fruits of the Spirit, the kindness we see in the Scriptures, God's version of kindness goes beyond our cultures. And I think that was kind of the clash with COVID. We kind of had a, kind, a um, kindness based on our culture, not a kindness based on on the kingdom of God, I think God's kingdom kindness adds extra characteristics that set it apart. So generally speaking, and this is a generalization, culture's version of be kind, I feel like, has these unspoken sort of sub-clauses to it. So be kind to a point. Be kind, only if you can. Be kind, you might get something in return. 
and be kind as long as it's not too costly. And I know in my life, people have said on numerous occasions about numerous things, I'm almost 50 now, oh, that was so kind of you. And like, for example, when the kids were younger, and it's kind of every, I think most of us could relate to this, but someone would, a friend would phone and say, hey, could you pick up one of my kids when you pick your kids up from school? And you're like, yeah, sure, I can do that. And it is a kind thing to do, but did it cost me really? Because I was going to school anyway to pick my own kids up. And yes, it is kind, but Jesus' interpretation of kingdom kindness, it isn't less than that, but it is so much more than that. If we were to use a Christ-like expression of kindness as our metric, we'll see the more in what Jesus is calling us to. Because Christ-like kindness is costly to the giver. It's our time, our money, or our pride. And a story that I think um, we will be familiar with that exemplifies this so well is the Good Samaritan from Luke 10. If you haven't read it, I'm not going to read it today, but, but check it out. And so the Samaritan man who finds this um, Jewish man beaten and bleeding on the side of the road, he stops and he tends to the needs of the man who was essentially his arch enemy. I was doing a bit of reading around it. and I mean, like they, we can't really relate to anything we've got here in New Zealand, but they, they were enemies. And not only did he stop, the Samaritan man stopped to tend to the wounds, but he paid for the man's accommodation and then he returned later to see how he was doing. So that kindness cost the Samaritan deeply. It was his time, his money, his pride, his social status. It was a really costly exercise for him to stop. These costly acts of kindness are seen throughout the Bible. Like you can think of the woman who burst into the room where she shouldn't have been, filled with men high above her social status. And she went and extravagantly like poured out perfume on Jesus. And then there was Jesus from Matthew 6, who was so exhausted and hungry from teaching all day, but he continued to teach because he had such compassion on the people. It was costly, and Christ-like kindness is so costly to the giver. There's a price to pay, but it never costs the one who receives it, and that's the difference. Many of you will know here we do Out of the Box, which is our um, food parcel service, and we deliver them every week in the community. And I'm part of the team that helps out on that, like once every six weeks. Um, and I have to say, more times than I would care to admit, I have found myself judging pretty good when I'm out there delivering those food parcels for what I perceive almost as an ungratefulness by the recipient or complaints about what is or isn't included. And in some cases, just feel like you're faced with almost a sense of entitlement, like you owe me. And I clear, uh, it was last year sometimes, I clearly remember being in Walkworth, arranging to meet a lady to drop off a food parcel. And we met down by the park, got it all loaded. I waited for a while, and then she arrived. I got it all loaded into her car. It was all fine. Jumped in my car, driving home, and my phone went. And it was the lady on the phone. Um, and she was asking me, where's the meat? Um, there's no meat in my parcel. And I can't see cheese. And my immediate thoughts, there was probably a lot more than these, but these are the ones that came to mind, was like, how dare you? 
Like seriously, who do you think you are? You have no idea what's gone into preparing this. You are so ungrateful. And on and on and on, my mind went. I took such offence at her phoning me. Couldn't she see like how much time and effort had gone into this? Not just from me, but from like, I was like offended on all of your behalf. Um, couldn't she see how kind it was, what we were doing, or how great I was for doing it for her? And at that moment, I was confronted with the fact that this free food parcel that I delivered in kindness wasn't actually free at all because I wanted recognition and I wanted gratitude. Recognition for my time and my energy and driving my car in there and waiting and all of that. But in wanting that, what I did is I stepped out of the realm of kindness and it became a transaction. And as followers of Jesus, we are not called to that. We're called to live differently. He doesn't want us to view his people and our interactions with them as transactions. It is never to be, and I did this for you, so you do this for me. That is, we have completely missed the point if that's how we do relationships. In the book of Luke, so if you want to turn with me to Luke 6, and we're starting in verse 32. And Jesus says, If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. You see, Christ-centered kindness has absolutely no strings attached. It costs nothing for the one who receives it. It is given and expects nothing in return, like not even gratitude, not even a thank you. As noted, like in there, in verse 35, God's kindness extends to those who are ungrateful. That's really hard. I don't know about you, but that's really hard for me. In the same verse, Jesus says that God's kindness is extended to those who are wicked. And other translations use the word evil. It's another way of saying that God's kindness is extended and available to absolutely everyone. Because kindness is who God is. It is the way his heart leans. It's how he treats everyone. It's who he is and not just what he does. It's his disposition he is kind, and he wants us to be kind like him. His kindness doesn't discriminate. It's extended to people who hold different views to us, be they different moral views, political views, whatever. It's, it's extended to the person whose social media posts we take great offence at, or to the relationships that are just so darn hard. It's extended to me, and it's extended to you. And I don't know about you, but I almost categorize, 
to do it quite well. Who is worthy and not worthy of God's kindness? We may be someone who finds it really easy to offer kindness to someone who's disenfranchised or marginalized. That might come easy to us. Or we may be someone who really struggles to show that same level of kindness to those who appear to have it all together, or at least act like they have it all together. But Christ-like kindness is such a higher call. Christ-like kindness, the kindness Jesus extends, calls me to ex extend that kindness to everyone, not just to Lyndon and my kids and my parents and my family, but to absolutely everyone. It is this love your neighbor as yourself. And all, like all of humanity, is our neighbor. And where our culture says some are more worthy, God says everyone is worthy of his kindness. A kindness that costs us and seeks nothing in return because the cost is so worth it because people are worth it. We get to determine in advance that our treatment of people will not be defined by their treatment of us. It's the same kindness shown to us by God through Jesus. In Philippians 2, verses 6 to 8, it says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So if kindness is costly, and if it's extended to all, if it seeks nothing in return, and if it's generous and contingent on nothing, then surely we can all agree that the incarnation, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus is the very definition of kindness. And even if that was all that God ever did, he went so above and beyond. He answers our prayers, he heals, he provides, he strengthens, he desires relationship with us, he empowers us. The kindness of God is mind-blowing. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven to you. Sorry, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We are to be kind because God is kind. And God is a kind God. And I don't know about you, but that has been huge for me to grasp. And I can't overestimate that. Is that the right word? Underestimate? Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean. Like, it has been so hard for me to grasp. I have grown up in the church from a pretty young girl. I've sung the songs, even when I was writing this. Ephesians 4.32, that, that's a song in my head. It's not words I can, I sing it. I won't do it now because it doesn't sound good. But that's, you know, that whole kind of singing scripture. I know the stuff. I've heard the stories of God parting the sea and healing the sick and sending Jesus. It's been ingrained in me. But how many of us have learned that it's easy to know something but it's another thing entirely to believe it. And it's another thing even more to believe it to the core of who we are. And I have found that the kindness of God, it has been so hard for that to seep into the core of who I am. And there's reasons for that, I'm sure, but it's been a real journey. 
And for you, maybe it's different. Maybe you had a view that growing up with a message that, you know, God is a big angry God with a big stick. And a kind God may be just a completely foreign concept to you. And I almost think it's a bit like what I started with, the catchphrase of COVID of be kind, being like cliche political rhetoric. We can think of God as kind as being cliche Christian rhetoric. So I want to pose some questions to us today. Do you believe that God is kind? Not do you know, or have you heard, because you've just heard, but do you know that God is kind? Do you believe deep, deep down in your core that God is kind? Is that a lived experience for you or just a really nice idea? I think our response to those questions will impact how we cultivate the spiritual gift of kindness in our world and in our own lives. If we can't see that kindness is God, we hinder ourselves from receiving God's kindness, which then hinders us from offering that to everyone else. If the notion that God is kind isn't a lived experience for you, I just really want to suggest two things that I really pray will be helpful. And the first one is to talk to someone. Talk to a friend. Talk to me. Talk to someone who can pray with you. And secondly, and probably more importantly, talk to God about it. I had supervision a couple of weeks ago, and I, I just whinge for an hour on supervision, but it's great. Um, and I was saying to Louise, I said, I, something had happened, and I said, I just wish they'd talk to me. And she immediately said to me, don't you think that's probably how God feels about you, Angela, a lot? Do you reckon he probably just says, why don't you just tell me? Like, talk to me, tell me about it. And so I invite you to do that. Sit with him, wait on him. Tell him where you're at with it. Tell him what you're feeling. Tell him what you're not feeling, but you wish you were feeling. Do Take all of those things to him. He can take it. I know for me, I've wrestled this out with God about him being kind. I've asked him to open my eyes to his life-changing kindness. And he's done it for me. And I know if he can do it for me, because I'm no one special, he can do it for you. He wants us to come to him with this stuff. And there may be some of you in the room who just are sitting here going, I've pretty much got kindness nailed. Um, not in an arrogant way, as Lyndon would say, maybe like I would have once said. Um, but maybe you've experienced his kindness and you, you live out of that place really deeply. But as our faith matures and grows, so should our actions mature and grow. So I would really love to, to challenge you, to encourage you to become even more intentional about nurturing acts of kindness. You could ask these questions. These are the kind of the questions I ask myself. Does kindness cost you? Do they come with the expense of time and energy and money? Do they affect your pride or your status? Or do they actually cost you very little? Does it expect, does your kindness expect anything in return? Like, do you need praise or affirmation or gratitude, just to name a few? Or are you more like Jesus where it's just contingent on nothing? Is it extended to everyone? Or is it reserved for some more than others? Does that person who really annoys you, do they, do they get to experience your kindness? Or the person who's making bad life choices? Or the person you disagree with on social media? 
are we showing the same level of kindness to those people or do we just keep it for our like-minded friends and our family and those we agree with? And I'm not, I hope you don't ever hear me here this morning like as a shame, like beat you up message. Um, I don't want to make any, any of us feel bad in any way. But if we are going to hold Jesus as our measuring stick, then the bar is super high. And the reality is, we could spend a whole lifetime working on this and maturing in our faith, and we would still fall short. But I would just want to today encourage us, like draw us back to what is God's expression of kindness, and that we would be a people who use that as our metric of kindness, not our culture around us, as our metric of kindness. And I want to encourage you that you can do it. I was When I was reading this, I've read it a lot of times, I was thinking, I make it sound like I was once a horrible person. And I don't think I was, was I? <laughs> Where's my kids? Um, but this year, you know, on your birthday, well, I don't know about you, but some birthdays come and go, and you're like, oh, that's nice. It's a nice birthday. Um, this year, I had my birthday in July, 49, my last year in my 40s. Um, and I don't know why, because it wasn't a special birthday, but on this particular birthday, I received so many messages and cards and gifts at my front door, which was super lovely, and I loved it. Um, and that night, because I love reading a card or reading words, and I was sitting on the sofa, and I was looking through my messages, and I was reading the cards that I got. And I actually said to Lynn, and I feel so overwhelmed, because for most, of, not all, but most of the messages and cards I'd received mentioned my kindness. And I was like, wow, God, you have actually changed me and worked in me. I've gone from being this very self-sufficient, strong, stoic, actually lacked probably a huge amount of empathy, um, uh, how I used to previously, I used to just think everyone could do what I could do, and if you can't, well, you're useless. That was pretty much how I summed it up. And so God has taken all of that away. And I just would love us to imagine what our community would look like if we all grasped this lived experience of God is kind and that his extravagant kindness is extended to everyone. What would it look like tomorrow if we all, every Jesus follower's definition and expression of kindness mirrored that of Jesus? What if the church, not just Maharangi Vineyard, but the church Big C was known for its kindness? And I think we've got a long way to go in that. I think that would be a pretty beautiful world to live in. The power of kindness really does change lives. It changes communities. It disarms people. And I want, definitely want this church to be known as a place of kindness because kindness is Jesus. My last point it's really short, see? It's fine. I've got 10 bits of paper. I think Lyndon almost died. Um, as I end today, and I feel like when I was writing this, I was like, I should have just written this first because this is like the most important bit, I think. If you hear nothing else, hear this. You cannot be kind out of your own strength by trying in earnest. It is simply too darn hard because I have tried absolutely need Jesus. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to walk with us, to lead us, to change us, 
to know what it is to walk and live a life out of kindness. And I think this hit home for me a couple of weeks ago. Um, we came home from somewhere and I actually said to Lynn, I can't believe I just did that. And it was, it was a good thing I had done. It wasn't a bad thing. It was a lovely thing. But I actually couldn't believe, given all this, the circumstances around it, that I was able to do something that felt like, how do I explain it? It felt like it was going to be a really hard thing to do. But I came home and it wasn't, I didn't feel like that. And I said, I actually can't believe I did that. See, again, my pride coming. And Lyndon said, you didn't do it. Christ and you did it. And I was like, oh, yeah, true. Um, I'm not that good. I really aren't. I'm not that kind. But Christ in me is beautiful and good and kind. And that is what we lean on. And that is what we carry. And I think this whole One Another series, for all of the different things we've looked at, they all land back there. They all land on. We can't do this out of our own strength. We can only do it by trusting, leaning, relying on Jesus. I'm done. It's your turn.